Kyoto has so much to do, and you're going to want to see it all. We sample the local specialties in the Nishiki market, visit Kyoto's historic areas, move through the Arashiyama bamboo forest, explore geisha culture, and taste some of the most amazing and unique foods that Japan has to offer. Welcome back to Find Gina Marie, where we share our lives as full-time travelers and the connections we make along the way. If you're new here, welcome. I'm Judy. And I'm Kevin. Kyoto is an easy high-speed train ride from either Tokyo or Osaka. This episode is so jam-packed, we're leaving out all the temples and shrines to visit since there's enough of those to be in their own episode. Spoiler alert! When you see one temple, you have not seen them all. We stayed in three parts of Kyoto each for an extended amount of time, so we share our insights on where to stay and what to look for as well. And because our daughter joined us for a week, we tried a lot of interesting Japanese foods, so stay tuned for all of those. So let's start with one of the most commonly asked questions. Is the Arashiyama bamboo forest really worth seeing? So many places online said not to bother, but we have friends who missed it that said that they wished that they were able to make time for it. The reason it's not an automatic no-brainer is that it can be really crowded. There are a ton of people trying to get their photographs in for Instagram, and you might want to get your own photographs, but there's everybody around you with a camera as well. If you want to be with just yourself and nature, it's really hard to do at any time of day. And although it's open 24-7, you can technically arrive at any time. And it's completely free. It's bright and early in the morning, so we could be out at the bamboo forest and... Arishiyama. <laughs> <laughs> we got that nailed, I'm sure. And it's a little bit late. It's quarter to eight. Uh, ideally, you want to be here before seven, before all of the crowds get here. But it, at this point, it's not so bad, yeah. but it's certainly not empty. <laughs> yeah, but this is early as we could do. We, we tried. Yes, and I mean, it's quite beautiful. So we'll walk you around with us. It's a 30 minute train from Kyoto Station. So you need an early start to catch it at its most serene, especially in autumn. One of the cool things when you arrive is the Kimono Forest, right by the Rondon Arishiyama Station. Their shapes serve as a nod to the bamboo forest. There are hundreds of tubular pillars. Each pillar encases a brilliant handmade fabric that is used for kimonos. One of the most impressive things about walking through the bamboo forest is the scale of everything. It's so massive, it's so tall, you feel engulfed by everything. The thousands of bamboo stalks can reach up to 90 feet into the sky. And even though there's a lot of people here, it really is fun to watch that sun peek through the bamboo forest and to capture some brilliant photos. And when we were there on November 16th, we were able to soak in the beautiful autumn leaves that also surrounded the forest itself. And next week in our temple videos, we'll be showing an alternate place to enjoy a mini bamboo forest if you're not an early bird. Subscribe if you haven't already so you don't miss it. Hanami Koji Street in the Gion District is a historic and famous spot with traditional wooden merchant houses and tea houses. The area is famous for geisha, and if you visit around 5.30pm, you might be lucky enough to see one of the 70 geisha or 30 apprentices working in the area or at one of the 60 nearby tea houses. You can arrange a private tour with a geisha or be part of a tea ceremony, but those can be very expensive. But from everything we've seen, it looks like they're worth it. Be respectful and don't take pictures of them, though. You'll see plenty of other people taking pictures, not of geisha, but wedding photos and people modeling and rented kimonos. 
And it's easy to see why. Their dramatic fall colors and the scenic Shirakawa Canal that makes for beautiful photos. It's supposedly amazing during cherry blossom season as well, which we'll have to come back to see. It will be crowded though. At breakfast one day, someone handed us a flyer about an exhibit of master craftsmen of Kyoto. It was at the Museum of Kyoto. So why not? We decided to go and check it out. And although everything was done in Japanese, there were people on staff who helped us by translating for us, and there was no surcharge to get in. There were stunning kimonos, screen art, paintings, and sculptures, and all kinds of craftsmen showing off their skills. We weren't allowed to take photos, but there was even a geisha leading a tea ceremony who prepared matcha for us, and we also got to enjoy a traditional sweet that would usually accompany your tea. Participating in the tea ceremony cost us 500 yen apiece. We walked through a small street festival with a singer and some seating. We didn't really know what was going on. And then we stumbled upon the tail end of a parade. Apparently this is the Jidai Matsuri, a festival begun in 1895 and held every year on October 22nd, the anniversary of the founding of Kyoto in 794. People are dressed in authentic Japanese costumes, and the parade takes approximately two hours with over 2,000 participants. This food hall gets its own topic. Although it seems like the Nishiki market would be a really cool place to eat dinner or as a night market, it's only open during the day from 9 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. and it closes an hour earlier on Saturdays and it's closed completely on Sundays. Each stall keeps its own hours, but that's the basic understanding of what the timing is. The market's just a five minute walk from the Shijo train station. And just a reminder that you can't walk around with food. You need to eat it at the stall where you purchased it and there are announcements to remind you. Their country, their rules. You can get all sorts of things like sashimi on a stick, taco tamago, otherwise known as octopus, stuffed with a hard-boiled quail egg. And although we do try to read the signs, sometimes we make mistakes. Oops. Crab stick. Taste your like crab. <laughs> Our daughter was very eager to try the fruit sandwiches, which really are just white bread with fresh sliced fruit and whipped cream. Here are some unagi skewered eel that is grilled while you wait. If you're a big fan of mochi, these strawberries might be for you. We thought they were just okay, but we aren't fans of the gummy texture. We did get the tempura shrimp a few times, but don't be intimidated by the shrimp and crab that's all out on display. They fry up fresh food for each person, and what's on display is for marketing. The cost for the three-piece was a special 1,200 yen. We tried some Wagyu beef here as well, but we found the non-Wagyu beef, the sirloin beef, to actually be more tender. At the end of the Nishiki Market, you'll find the Shinkyo Goku Shopping Street, which also has Koei Donuts on it. They specialize in making donuts with locally sourced ingredients with an emphasis on organic produce. But you'll mostly go there for their uniquely flavored donuts and the gorgeous designs. They're branded as being a healthy and environmentally friendly delicacy. I'm not sure if that applies though if you eat more than one. The flavors are really interesting and you can even request specialty donuts. I'm not the biggest donut fan, but I really enjoyed Koei Donuts. They were delicious. It's impossible to travel to and from Kyoto or getting around Kyoto without spending time in Kyoto Station. There's also a ton of food there, so you may be spending more time than just travel time. Leaving aside food for a moment, if you want to get in a workout to offset the amount of eating you're going to do here, try climbing the series of 171 stairs here that are decorated with LED lights to create an amazing light show based on the season. Happy Halloween! 
Alternately, there are escalators and elevators. The elevators have really long lines, so it's worth using the escalators. And use these central escalators that actually go straight up and down, not the ones you have to twist and turn and keep spiraling. Kyoto Station has a Skyway, too. So we're on the Skyway of the... Kyoto Station. Yes, and it's fascinating. If you go up to the 10th floor and there's a ton of restaurants, and then there's also on the ninth floor, a ton of different ramen restaurants. I feel like we could be here for another month and still not taste <laughs> all the close. various ramen just in this one building. <laughs> Beautiful sights out there. There's also a scale model Kyoto station built entirely from Lego bricks. You'll see it tucked away as you come down the escalator from the skyway. There's a terrace area called the East Square, and in the far corner you'll find this model built in 2012 to commemorate 50 years of Lego in Japan and 15 years of the Kyoto new station building. If you're a fan of Godzilla, like Judy's older brother, you won't want to miss the Godzilla store. From themed tape dispensers to Godzilla chopsticks to models and even embroidered jackets, this place finds the most creative way to keep alive Japan's 1954 fictional giant amphibian monster. So let's talk about food. There's an entire floor full of sushi restaurants, and the 10th story has more upscale restaurants of various mostly Asian cuisines, including Thai, Korean, Vietnamese, and of course, Japanese. You can also find Italian restaurants, so if you really want to change it up, there are options to do that. One of the biggest takeout places is 551 Horai, which is famous for the dumplings and pork buns. Be forewarned that the lines were always super long there, and remember that you shouldn't be eating while you're walking around. Before departing Kyoto, we took a quick stop at Sushi no Musashi Conveyor Belt Sushi, which is near the Hachijo entrance. We didn't have time for much, but we did grab a few plates. The sushi is priced by the type and color of the plate it's served on. You just pull down the sushi you're interested in, and at the end they tally the cost of the various plates. Make sure you see the note that you don't want to put any of your empty plates back on the conveyor belt. Apparently people do this. It was a fun way to eat sushi, and best of all, the space is roomy enough to accommodate suitcases, so you can grab a quick bite before hopping to your next destination. The total price for all the plates we grabbed and ate was 25.74 yen. We stayed in three different hotels while we were in Kyoto, so let's dive into each of them. Our first hotel was Iba Styles. This budget-friendly hotel was on the Shijo Dori Street, just past the high-end shopping or main part of that street. We paid $835.79 for this hotel for 12 nights, or $69.65 per night. Nearby, take a look at the fresh produce store we found in this area called Saiju. We thought it was interesting to see the prices and the typical foods that they carry. Our second hotel was Sakura Terrace, and it was for adults only. The Kujo subway station was just outside our hotel, which was super convenient on rainy days. Because it's a very short walk to Kyoto Station, there weren't a ton of restaurants nearby. We probably wouldn't stay in this area again, because we prefer to explore local dining rather than battling the crowds at Kyoto Station. We were here for 12 nights for a cost of $799.98 or $66.67 per night. One of the nice things was that the hotel had a huge lobby with tables, couches, and chairs where you can chill out and have free coffee or tea throughout the day. 
And from 6 to 10 p.m., you can get a free soft drink or alcoholic beverage from the bartender. And their wine was pretty good. We didn't do this, but this hotel also has separate men's and women's public baths with hot water and sauna. Our room had a separate pair of grippier slippers to wear going down to the public baths or in the lobby. We don't talk too much about shopping on this channel because as full-time travelers, we have no room for souvenirs. But if you can imagine it, be it food, cosmetics, watches, alcohol, socks, electronics, and so much more, you can find it at the Don Quixote store. It's a large chain of superstores with a mega store outlet in Tokyo. We visited the Kyoto Avanti location and our eyes nearly fell out of our heads with how much stuff was jammed into this store. They'd have to close the whole place for a month if they wanted to do an inventory. We were at our third accommodations for the shortest amount of time. The last place we stayed in Kyoto was the Hotel Forza. We liked that its lounge had a fancy coffee machine that allowed us to make cappuccinos 24 hours a day. Especially Kevin. <laughs> he really liked that feature. In the evenings on the other side of the room, there was another machine that dispenses two types of sake. You can get one token per night per person for a free glass. We paid $620.50 for four nights, which breaks down to be $155.13 per night. Since this hotel was in the main shopping area of the Shijo Jori Street, it was definitely the most expensive option we chose. But the area is great and lively, and we didn't have to wander aimlessly to find a place to eat. Shijo Dori has a bunch of shopping, and they pipe in classical music that can be heard all along the streets. We save money while traveling by not shopping for souvenirs, but we could have gotten lost in Inubun, which has a wide range of stationery to everything for stylish living. We like to start a day early, get some coffee and maybe uh, pastry. And the odd thing about Japan is that most restaurants, even coffee shops, don't open until 10 or 11 a.m. There were a few open for early birds, including one of the more traditional local breakfast spots. We stopped into Maeda Coffee Shop, which was founded in 1971. Like many places in Japan, it was very quiet here. Oh, okay. He's just kind of sitting on top. Yeah. It's also hot that they bite into it. Very juicy, very tasty sausage. A lot of bread, <laughs> which is seems to be a trend in places we've been in Japan. Although this is more of a Tokyo style of food, one thing we enjoyed here is tanmen. It's easy to confuse with ramen because it's a soup, but it's actually stir-fried pork and vegetables that then are added to a salt-based chicken broth and boiled noodles are added. You can also get gyoza to go along with it and the soup can be served spicy for an additional cost. It tasted like a warm hug. We paid 2,420 yen for both of us. My spicy tanmen was 1,045 yen, and the dumplings were 385 yen. And my regular meat tanmen was 990 yen. You can't come to Japan without talking about ramen. And I had no idea before coming, but ramen is categorized into four classes. Shio, which is salt, shoyu, which is soy sauce, miso, fermented bean paste, and tonkatsu, which is pork. I'm sure if you dig enough on the internet, people may think there are more or less varieties, but needless to say, there are multiple varieties. On Takoyakushi Dori Street, you can stop into Ikiran Kyoto, which is a ramen restaurant with individual booths. It was cool because each booth has bamboo blinds that are lifted and dropped periodically by servers when your food is ready. There are little wooden signs to communicate with the staff, gives you a problem or a question. This is one of the most famous ramen restaurants serving classic tonkatsu ramen. You have to order a machine ahead of time and take your tickets in and stand in line until there's enough booths that free up to accommodate your entire party. Our ramen was absolutely amazing. Arigatou gozaimasu. 
So we're very perplexed when the people next to us abandoned their nearly full bowls of ramen. Why would you do that? Yaputo is a chain of ramen restaurants, and we visited the location underneath the Kyoto Station in the porta shops. It's super popular and highly recommended, so we decided to try it. The line was long, and you need to decide quickly about what you want before you sit down. Ipudo serves Hakata Tonkatsu-style pork ramen. Trying our ramen first time here because Megan suggested it, so. I think it's a chain. It is. But, uh... They move you in and there was a sign that said, if you're taking too long, we may ask you to leave if you're finished with your food. So like a lot of things in Japan, it's not really designed as a place to linger. Yeah, efficient. Let's get into it or they kick us out. We paid 2,720 yen for both of us. Another ramen restaurant we tried here is celebrated for being a five-time winner at the Tokyo Ramen Show. And this is one of the ninth floor ramen restaurants. Its award-winning specialty is the Toyama Black Soy Sauce Ramen, which Kevin and I had to try. Our daughter preferred the spicy Tantanmen Ramen with ground pork. It's typically a lot spicier than more traditional ramens, which focus more on the rich broths and hearty flavors. We think she got the better end of the deal. We didn't love our black soy sauce version, and she really enjoyed that spice. We paid 5,080 yen for all three meals, which included some dumplings. Tonkatsu is a batter-fried pork and usually comes as a set with shredded cabbage, miso soup, and white rice. We went to a few restaurants for tonkatsu, including Katsukura. One unique thing about this restaurant is that they give you a mortar and pestle so you can grind your own sesame seeds to mix into the sauce. So basically you grind your own sauce with sesame seeds and then either a spicy or original uh, seasoning. And then that becomes sauce that you put your cutlets on. So you're doing a good job there. It's not my a, first fruit. I give you a mind to do this. <laughs> I'm getting nowhere. At Katsukura, we paid 5,940 yen for both of us. The price isn't terrible for including dessert, but it's pricier than most of our meals here have been. The line was really long and the food was good, but we found another place that we preferred even a little bit more. In the basement of the Kokan Makarasuma building is Kimukatsu. This is where we had our favorite crispy batter fried pork. We liked all the options they had. You can get a regular pork, pork with cheese, or our favorite black pepper pork. We also had the battered steak, but we preferred the pork. What'd you just put in there? This is the tonkatsu sauce. And you've got the katsu with cheese. Yes, we've had it plain before we're at a new place and we decided it made sense to try it a different way. How's yours? Mine's with black pepper, which I haven't tried yet. And I haven't poured any sauces for myself. But it sounds really good, yeah. so I may have to steal some. Kimkatsu costs 27.50 yen for both of us, or 13.75 yen a piece. When you go for a restaurant for udon or soba, most places certainly give you an option of hot or cold dishes. We weren't ambitious enough to try them cold because it was winter, and also warm just sounds better. But you can get them however you prefer. Get to Okazaki Dori Street early for Yamamoto Menzu if you really want to try some flavorful udon. Ideally have a reservation because unfortunately they book up really fast. We didn't get there early enough so they redirected us to their stand-up takeout spot next door, which is really somewhat of a long narrow shed. They gave us the opportunity to eat at the Okazaki Park across the street, or we could have taken our food back to the hotel. But after a long wait, we were a bit too hangry to go anywhere and felt like soup would be a bit too messy to eat on our laps. It's one of the very best udon restaurants in the area, so it's definitely worth making time for it. The broth is fragrant and amazing, and the noodles are long, chewy, and delicious. 
Someone recommended we try soba noodles, so one of our stops was to Masoka on Kawamichi-ya. Masoka refers to a custom of eating noodles for good luck on the last day of every month. This homemade Japanese noodle restaurant originated in 1710. We had our own booth, but there are areas where you also need to take off your shoes and sit Japanese style on tatami mats. We paid 4,500 yen, which I think was fairly expensive. This included drinks, and Judy ordered a green tea, but for such a traditional venue, it was weird that it was just a Suntory tea in a plastic bottle. It was nice to honor the tradition of the restaurant, but we probably wouldn't go back since we had better soba noodles elsewhere. I guess my drink was kind of special. It was a Mitsuya cider that、uh, was created in 1884 as a soft drink. A hidden gem that is super easy to miss if you don't know about it is Membo Yamamoto. It's a small family run restaurant built in 1980. You can find it in the alley of the Shijo Karasuma. We went a little later in the day, but it's packed with office workers around lunch. I had a bento box set that includes soba noodles for 1100 yen. And I ate every bite of my udon meal, which cost 950 yen. Their food really was incredible. You can get tempura in your udon or soba soups, but if you want to change it up, try a donburi dish, a rice bowl meal like tendon, tempura over rice. Our tendon at Kyoto Station was 3,160 yen total for two orders. We first tried okonomiyaki, savory Japanese pancakes, when we were in Hiroshima, and we have an entire video from our time there coming soon. We liked okonomiyaki enough that we went to Hajime in Kyoto Station a couple of times. I had a traditional pancake, and Kevin tried something new, which was tomato fried noodles and pork. Judy's was actually better. <laughs> They both cost about the same at 1100 yen apiece. North of Kyoto Tower is an office building with Yodobashi shops in it. It's where we ate our favorite okonomiyaki in Kyoto. Fugetsu prepared our pancakes in front of us, and we loved the good mix of cabbage and noodles. Instead of drizzling the Japanese mayo on top, they spread a layer of it before topping it all with a good pour of okonomiyaki sauce, which packs a nice umami punch. It's got a mix of salty, sweet, smoky flavors that just add the oomph you're looking for. We paid 3,320 yen for both of us. Coco Curry House is a delight. It's a chain restaurant, but it's really good. It's Japanese style curry, and you can choose how much rice you get, the spice level, whether you want to add anything to your curry. So many options. We ordered the tonkatsu curry meal, but Judy had a small order of rice and added vegetables. She orders healthier meals than me. Sometimes you just need a vegetable. <laughs> the total price of our meal with a salad was 2,401 yen. After seeing them everywhere, we were just hungry enough one day to try some fruit sandwiches of our own at Inoda's Coffee. Actually, you were hungry enough. I wasn't tempted to have them at all. <laughs> they actually were rather bland, despite the variety of fruit. Maybe because they weren't overly sweet, which is a good thing. They cost 930 yen, and our two cappuccinos were 690 yen apiece. Yodobashi Shop had another cool place to eat called Minori Cafe. It's a bit pricey, but the treats were delicious and refreshing. Shine, Moscato thin skinned grapes were in season, and they were the centerpiece of so many beautiful desserts. So I came in here just looking for a simple soft serve ice cream, and apparently they only had a kiddie version for children 13 and younger. So this one has some Shine Muscat grapes. Which are famous this time of year. They're supposed to be extra sweet. So I thought, all right, I'll try it. I was not at all prepared for the amount of ice cream that's in here. So this is a big shock to me. And we just had 
uh, a nice lunch, so I'm not even really that hungry. I'm sure it'll go, but <laughs> it is very sweet. Um, they're pretty plump. The ice cream's really good. <laughs> Winning all around. All right. In our video, I didn't dig into it deep enough, but this parfait also had some cake pieces mixed in as well. We paid 2,650 yen, which included Judy's parfait for 1,600 yen, and two hot drinks for an initial 450 and 600 yen apiece. One of the more unique food experiences we had was at EX Cafe, where we tried Hoku Hoku Dango Combo. It's similar to mochi, but not quite the same. One set of ours was plain, and the other used a Japanese herb called yomogi. They're served on skewers and are meant to be roasted on this small grill until they were golden brown on both sides, and then dipped in your choice of a sweet red bean paste or a mix of soy sauce and sugar. The cost for this experience with matcha tea was 1,650 yen. We know people love these, but we weren't fans of the texture or really even the flavors. But it was worth trying. We can't close out this episode without talking about how well-staffed Japan is. There are so many workers to help around the train station and at restaurants, and they're all very kind and courteous. There's always someone around to help you, even when we're at the museum. Someone we didn't even know who wasn't working there just decided to help us out with understanding what things were. It's a wonderful place to visit where you get so much attention and so much kindness. If you've enjoyed this episode and you're now fans of Kyoto like we are, give us a like and consider subscribing. And one of the kindest things you can do for us is to share our videos with your family and friends. And check out FindingGeneary.com. Lots of good information there. We'll be putting some more articles up and you can check out our La Familia forum there as well. Until next time. Until next time.